Hi, I'm Harriet, a mental health professional and educator, and this is Dawn Breaks, the podcast all about finding hope and maybe also healing after reaching rock bottom. This week's incredible episode is with Nina and I just want to give you a heads up that we are going to speak about postnatal depression, also about post-traumatic stress and some of the birthing story as well. So this is me giving you a little heads up that some of these issues are going to be in here just in case they might be particularly triggering for you. And if they are, you can give yourself a bit of time and maybe listen with someone who can give you some support as well. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Dawn Breaks and I am so delighted to welcome on Nina who is joining me today. So welcome. Hi, how are you doing? I am really well, thanks. What about you? Um, I'm good, halfway through the summer holidays. Yes, you're making it, surviving. (laughs) Taking time to breathe every moment. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. It's needed, I think, isn't it, sometimes? Okay. Thank you so much for joining us, Nina. And also just for kind of being happy to share your story. I'm really, really honoured that you can join us. So yeah, I know you know a little bit about the podcast already and how we structure it. But what I'd like to do is not give you a big introduction, but instead go to a time when you were potentially feeling lower in yourself or a bit hopeless and kind of struggling in that in that area. Is there a time that you'd be happy to share with us? Yeah, so I think mental health and depression and just low mood really has been evident throughout most of my life really um Mm. my mum was very ill with her mental health when I when I was in comprehensive school so it's always been around and it's like been at the back of my mind all the time and then I went through family therapy because my Mm. mum was ill Mm. but then when I when I had my first set of twins so nine years ago, 10 years ago nearly, okay. uh, is when my mood, my mental health took a, a big hit. I'd had a bit of a low point previous to that, but nothing as bad as what came when I became a mum. Mm. For five years, we struggled with infertility. Okay. During that time, I think I'd built this perfect life up in my head. Mm. And when then I had twins and a, a cesarean section, which I didn't really want. Right. But, but it was needed because the babies were breech. Mm. Motherhood was, you know, thrown at me In with two babies. Mm-hmm. All, all of a sudden, I'm not just caring for one one baby that I've like got in my head. I've now got two to juggle. My husband worked away a lot. And although I'd got my mum for help, you know, it's it, it's still a lot to to deal with so I think I had postnatal depression it was never diagnosed it was never treated but there were definite now looking back there were definite signs that you know that was evident Mm. Um, you know just being angry all the time that they wouldn't sleep at night I mean what rational mum you know is is angry at this little tiny baby because they won't sleep babies are not meant to sleep but Mm. just things like that um, and as they grew a little bit bigger, I wouldn't allow myself to enjoy time with them because they took five years as, as well to to be here. Mm, I think of course. I, I feared something happening, so, you know, them being taken away or I don't know, just something. Mm. So, you know, they, they grew into like toddlers as they do and preschoolers and my nan passed away. Oh, I'm um, sorry. And that was when it sort of hit me that, you know, I, I've now got no grandparents, so I was, I was now an adult, in effect. You know, I was now my mum's generation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, something happened and my mood just... The postnatal depression and, and just everything, it had, I think it had just all come all at once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Christmas Day 2014, I had this pain in my arm and it was like pins and needles and I thought, oh, God, I'm having a heart attack. Uh, it wasn't you know I was sat in my mother-in-law's toilet thinking what if this is it what if this is the last moment of 
my kids, you know, what if I'm going to die and I'm, I'm leaving them on Christmas Day and they'll never like Christmas again. Oh, and gosh. I thought, because obviously I'd lived through this heart attack that I thought mm. I was having mm. and got through to the next day, I thought, so there's something not right here. And I spoke to my mum and she recognised that I was having a breakdown. I was having a massive panic attack, breakdown. Yeah, the anxiety was horrendous. Having never suffered a panic attack up till that point, it really, it's the most scariest. It's so scary. They really you, are. You really do think you, you're going to die. and mm. There's no talking you down or anything. You know, you just you just have to ride through them. And once you've rode through a couple, then you realise that, hang on a minute, I'm, I am going to survive this. And mm. it, it lessens the impact, sort of. So that was my lowest point, that. Christmas and New Year and up to like April when I actually finally got seen by the NHS. Wow. Um, because to start with, there was nothing. There were, you know, they'd, they'd got nothing. They, they could throw medication at me, but it wasn't enough. It just numbed me, it, mm. you know, and I wanted to be present for these kids that, you know, I'd brought into the world mm, and, and I'd lost almost three years of their life already. So I had hypnotherapy and I went, I, I was it under um, like Shawstock Children's Centre and right. they had some group courses that you could mm. go on for art therapy. Okay. Um, and that really, that really helped. But it, okay. it was a combination of things. But yeah, that was my low, lowest of the low point, I think. Thank you so much for sharing. I can, you know, I can see now how kind of emotionally intense that that still is. Of course it yeah. is. And, and wow, you know, what a difficult period of time it's not just an experience is it it's a it's a whole period of time that was really really challenging for you and also quite a few things in there that that aren't widely spoken about you know that change from wanting so desperately to become a mum and then it happening and kind of being fully overwhelmed which is a process that I think happens to everyone yeah. who becomes a mum yeah. but perhaps we don't talk about it enough about how difficult that transition is from sort of really wanting children to then it actually happening and being in this sort of amazing space of it going to happen and then also alongside that you were describing a, a kind of fear that that lived alongside that yeah. where you were worried that that it might stop or they might be taken or something might happen and you can fully see how that would have impacted your mental health in such a big way because of course you were worried about that you wanted something for so long and then and tried for something for so long and then you could have it but you were also exhausted and you know beyond exhausted at the end of your you, you get stretched beyond all of your limits don't you being a parent you know where yeah. where you think is the edge of your able to cope <laughs> you you step over that again and again and again and draw new lines and yeah. i suppose there gets to a point that you you know you do you do really need that support and thank goodness that your your mum was able to recognize those signs you know later yeah. on about yeah that you would you were having a bit of a breakdown and you needed what you needed at that moment was more support more love more nurture in order to know that you are capable and you do have the skills to support yeah. yourself and also reach out for help you know when it was the right time yeah i mean there's times when like i've asked my mum lives close by and i'd asked her to come in the middle of the night because my husband works late hours mm. And feeding two babies is a mammoth task, it's like in the middle of the night when you blurry Absolutely. eyes. So she would cut, she would arrive in her pajamas <laughs> with a jumper thrown over her. And one morning we woke up and she was laid at the bottom of our bed. <laughs> like oh. she was asleep at the bottom oh. of our bed. She'd obviously not gone home after no. the feed. And yeah. uh, my husband was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> my mother in law's <laughs> in our room. Um so you know there were there are times when it was you can look back now and it was there were good memory to mm, have but mm. yeah it was it was it was really hard and like you say it's that transition from wanting these this baby mm. to having then two babies mm. you know I, there was a lot of grief in there as well I think because those things that I grieved a natural birth I grieved. Of course being able to breastfeed properly because they were so tiny mm. that they they wanted the hospital said we had to give them top up milk and mm. who am I to argue I, you know I'm a new mum I have no idea what I'm doing mm -hmm. 
I couldn't take them swimming because you can't take two. Of and course. I'd, beforehand, I've got it in my head that, you know, when I have my baby, I'm going to go swimming with them. And it's just those things that you lose. You don't really realise you've lost until mm. you think, oh, I can't do that. Right. You know, like just nipping to the shops. That's right. not an option either. <laughs> nipping to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, I fully understand what you're saying there. I think that's so important as well. The expected sort of dreamlike reality versus yeah. the sort of real life and when they don't quite fit together. And it's really yeah. lovely when they overlap. But let's be honest, lots of the time we aim yeah. right up here and then we sort of get somewhere here. And that is usually, you know, that's 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 wonderful. But it isn't to say that it's not really, really hard. And like you say, there's sort of grieving imagined activities or imagined ways of being imagining how the birth was going to be and how yeah. you wanted it to be and you'd hoped and dreamed for it to be and then yeah it's major surgery it's huge surgery you know any anyone going through surgery otherwise other than if we're not talking about birth anyone going through surgery would not be having to deal with with yeah. two brand new babies it's a no. it's a huge undertaking for anyone having having a, a cesarean and then and then you having twins as well and then all of those things combined because you you do have that other element that when we're being looked after by healthcare professionals who we trust, of course we do, because they, you know, made sure the babies got into the world safely. But that can be quite a challenging thing because sometimes you have to sort of slightly go maybe against what your intuition wants yeah. or is telling you in order to do what is the, the medically correct thing for you to do. And that can be quite a really unsettling thing because what you're needing to do with becoming a mum is lean into your intuition to trust those sort of nudges about how to look after them. But then on the other yeah. hand, if there's a fear, isn't there, of doing it wrong or all of that pressure. Or, or, be, or looking bad as well, you know. Mm. If, if you decide you're going to go against something, you can get that the perceived stigma almost. That, yeah. You know, Hang on a minute, she's not doing what we've told her to do. So mm -hmm. therefore she's not a good mother because mm. you know and although that's not an actual you know it's only your thought that they're thinking that it's not yeah. it's still there in your head of course when, it is you know that mum guilt that everybody talks about it, it's it's a real thing it's you absolutely know. and i think you've really hit on something very important there that they don't necessarily know that you you might be doing it differently you know but it's what you're your sort of inner dialogue that's going on with yourself yeah. isn't it and that's yeah. really really important because that's where the sort of mental health stuff really kicks in is what is the inner dialogue going on in our heads and how healthy is it and when when is it got too unhealthy when do we need help with that and that's that is really really tricky and I mean I'm so glad that you were able to access that support but it sounds like you had quite a long period of time managing it on your own really or it, managing it with was, very little um, support I thought that there was something not right from you know from them being born I, you know I, I thought that this shouldn't be how I feel about mm. my babies that I've wanted to, for so long and because I was going to a sure start center children's center mm. they had my back they knew that I was struggling because yeah. And, and they were the only place other than my mum that I could mm. go to. And I felt like I could breathe almost. Mm -hmm. And I'd go in like every week with this new thing that, you know, I can't sleep or they mm. could, they won't sleep or mm. whatever. And so they had my back, I think. Had I not had them, I, I don't I don't know what would have happened. I, you mm. know, I don't know if I'd have pushed for the doctors to diagnose me or whatever. Mm. But there was times between me having the panic attack yeah. on that Christmas day and them being born, where I felt like I couldn't breathe. Mm. You know, I, like I, I'd walk upstairs and think, well, I'm not unfit, but right. I just, I can't breathe. Like I'm struggling. I, I need a drink or something. I, I can't. And I told, I told the doctor this and he said, I'll pour you. Well, like, oh. okay. Oh, wow. So I believe that that was the anxiety. Yeah making its way into me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From, from then you know yeah but. i think you're so right as well it's that 
feeling you were talking about there I thought something wasn't right and it and for me it's like a feeling when you feel something's off but you don't know yet if you can trust it and actually I'm sure I'm sure you you're the expert on your body you know the what we have to remember and I find myself reminding sort of my adult mental health clients with this is that you are the expert on your body the professional is the expert on the medicine and that's where you have to sort of stand strong in knowing what's right and what's wrong for your body and it sounds as though you were sort of beginning to have an idea and I'm yeah I'm so sorry because that is really difficult when you feel and I can really relate to that going and speaking to a professional in some way shape or form and I I know it's never intended you know of course they're they're looking out for us but they are also under a lot of pressure themselves but that sort of feeling of dismissal dismissal exactly that is the exact word I was trying to think of what to say but yeah not being seen not being heard somehow your feelings not being validated or as if as if you're being a bit over the top or I don't know and and that's the opposite of what you need in that experience because you're you like you're saying the short start center was something that for you gave you that space to go oh like this and this and this like I don't know how to what do I do here and and maybe this is exactly the kind of stuff we need to normalize I keep thinking to myself while we're having this conversation like how helpful this would be for for a new mum in a similar position to hear some of this stuff because we do need to normalize how hot it is and how many kind of difficult feelings and thoughts come in that don't necessarily fit with our lovely idea about what motherhood is going to be like because it is really really difficult and it feels as though it's hard for people to talk about this sometimes and maybe people talk with friends who are having children at the same time and can have that shared experience but also maybe we just need to speak about it more and I'm I'm really really grateful that you are speaking up about it thank you and like you say that they go into the groups and things with other new mums that that really helped as well you know there was mums in there I remember that were going in because they'd not slept for three days because oh, gosh. The, the baby mm. don't doesn't sleep and you know and then like I was coming forward and saying oh yeah you know this is what I've tried with my two or whatever so it, that shared experience is really beneficial absolutely because you i think the the real the worst thing about when you're struggling with your mental health is feeling that you're on your own so just knowing that other people are finding this really hard too (laughs) right and also that that you also might be able to support someone else and give them some ideas so clearly you do have some idea about what you're doing even if in moments that you don't feel like you know because there isn't a parenting rule book there's no guidebook we're all sort of you know thrown in (laughs) yeah and so you're thrown into that situation and you and you've got to figure it out and obviously if you've got lovely people around you who've done it before and you know can support you then wonderful but not everyone is fortunate enough to be in that position and yeah groups like that are so so important for giving people that little lifeline and it sounds a bit like that it was it was like that for you yeah it really was hmm so tell us a little bit more about the, you talked about the group art therapy as well and that being quite important. Was that a bit later on or um, how did that fit in? I think, yeah, it was after the the, break, the initial breakdown. So obviously I was in the Sure Start like centres. Mm. Um, I attended like stay and play sessions and they, I, I would grasp at any opportunity to learn something new. Yeah, And yeah. I did several Love courses. That. Mm-hmm. they were offering this family group art therapy sessions mm-hmm. so it was a group setting you took your children with you and it was all about bonding with your children and you know just having a moment to express how you were feeling really yeah and gorgeous. it was with a therapist but within the Shawstock center and it really did help it really did like create bonds with the children and mm. and just at the end of it so there was there was supposed to be like four or five different families on it. Okay. And people dropped in and out and but I was consistent all the way through. And and I, I did like twelve weeks or something of this group session. And at the end, the therapist had a new job offer. So she okay. wasn't gonna run it again. Right. And I and I was gutted. I was oh, completely no. gutted. Yeah. And they said, We're thinking about sure start staff running a similar version of it. 
and mm. I obviously we can't call it therapy because we're mm-hmm. not therapists. Yeah. How would you feel about facilitating? I was like, wow. oh my God, I would love to. Wow. So I ended up making it my own and, mm-hmm. and creating this new creative mindfulness, we called it creative mm-hmm. mindfulness mm. um, session. And and it was amazing. And it gave me so much empowerment to, to, you know, to feel better because I, I was now like helping others. Of course. So, yeah, it was such a great little... It, it was only 12 weeks, but it was such an impact in my mental health journey. Absolutely. Um, I think I'm still there's... in contact with the therapy, the art therapist. That's um, amazing. Yeah. Oh, it's so lovely to hear that as well, especially because I'm an art therapist, obviously. Yeah. I'll, I'll really enjoy that story. But, but also, I really do believe in the power of art making and joint activity. And I know how transformational that can be. And also that getting out of your head and into your making and connecting and being in in the moment you know and that's so powerful and it's so easy for our our minds to go on a you know train literal train of 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 anxiety and things going all the things that you've got to do and you've got to fit this in and you're all tired and you're dealing with this and there's so many jobs that you've got to do but there's something so wonderful about putting all that down for half an hour 40 minutes an hour whatever it was to just focus on you and the connection with with your babies and that's really really powerful and also that feeling of being held I think you know that has a lot more power than we sometimes give it credit for that someone is there for you at this time on this day for 12 weeks it's just really supportive you've just got this extra layer of support around you I suppose and you know I find that really amazing I've had clients that have come to me and have made made lots and lots and lots of artwork and barely spoken to me during (laughs) a 12-week period and yet they felt so much better at the end and there just is something about creativity unlocking some of our feelings of resourcefulness feelings of having control feelings of being able to manage in difficult situations like we sort of have a a mini a microcosm of of some of those learning experiences by making artwork when it maybe does what we want maybe it doesn't you know Um, i am i found quite therapeutic not having an outcome as well mm. because i'm i'm one for if i'm doing something it has to have a a reason we have you know yes the end product needs needs to like fill a function. Yeah, and yeah. Just like I'd use squeezy bottles and let mm-hmm. the squeezy bottles just like create patterns on the paper. Yeah. I knew I was never going to use that paper. You no. know that artwork. It was never <laughs> about hanging it on the wall or no, no, selling no. it for a million pounds. But just the process was that was therapeutic in itself. Yeah, absolutely. The process and the experience is really powerful, I think, isn't it? And and like, just like you say, when you take the end product out and you just focus yeah. on the experience, it becomes a completely different thing because I think people a lot of the time feel so much pressure for their end product to be a certain quality or they at some point have been told by someone they're not good at this or they've had some kind of feedback that hasn't been helpful. But, but yeah, if you're just focusing on a doodle on a page or squeezing some paint out into a nice pattern or where you like the colors the way they're mixing together and and you're physically just focusing on oh that's really interesting what it's done and you're coming from a sort of curious playful place that kind of connects into the places in the you that feel good and it it doesn't connect with sort of necessarily the anxiety or if it does it's kind of getting some of it out onto the page or um yeah so many things in there that's amazing and then kind of giving you this it feels very powerful is the word that's coming to my mind but that being able to transition from participant to leader sort of you know group leader feels like a really powerful transition to have made because it again kind of puts you in a position of being back in control in some way maybe and a lot of what you were talking about earlier felt like that some of that control had been taken away and you and it, it felt like it was you know you'd had no choice in it and that's always really hard for for us to come to terms with i think the ending of the art therapy course came like towards september time so um, the kids were starting school and it just felt the right time and the right fit you know i could 
focus on something else other yeah. than being mum, mm-hmm. you know, or, or not being a good enough mum or what, yeah. whatever. And I could focus on helping others. The anxiety was still there. It, it was always part of me for a while. But, yeah, it, it really did. It was a, a, a huge help. That's so it, good. So good to hear. Toolbox of things. Yes, <laughs> I love that <laughs> toolbox. That's great. Yeah, and I love what you said there as well. And it, it feels very real that the anxiety was still there. It's not like we can turn it off like it's an on-off no. switch. It, it has times when it feels a bit stronger and and it feels a bit too strong maybe and times when it's just a sort of lower level thing that goes on and it, it you know it's a constant flow I think where you begin to find a space that feels manageable with that anxiety as well I think yeah. but thank you thank you so much for for sharing that they seem like some some amazing things so we've got the short start center that kind of community group experience feeling that you weren't on your own with it and then yeah. the art therapy with the art making and how sort of transformative that was and then the sort of second element of that was being then able to lead a group and and how that f- felt in yeah. in kind of taking your power back and feeling like you do have some things to share i wonder if there was anything else that seems really important to share significant in um, sort of helping that process the, the talking therapy and I had cognitive behaviour therapy as well. And that really, I think all of the things come back, nothing on their own would have helped, I'm That's sure. interesting. I think mm. it was a combination of everything put together. And those tools that I learnt during that time, you know, help me even now. The cognitive behaviour therapy was great because during my low point, I was a volunteer at a theatre. Okay. And I was put in charge of the stage for one night. Okay. And we had a fire. <gasps> oh, no. The curtains started smouldering. So it was oh, never no. going to be a huge fire because they're yeah. self-extinguishing. But the theatre, the auditorium filled with smoke. Mm. And I was in charge and I froze. I really didn't know what to do. Mm. And the other lads that were with, with me, they, you know, they threw the safety curtain down and everything. And, and there was no injury, there was nobody harmed, but the theatre was full and it was a children's dance performance. So there was, it was a fi- the 500 seat theatre, half and half adults and children. Okay. And all I can remember is running out of the theatre and, and I, I called the fire brigade, the fire brigade mm. came, ambulances came. The noise of the children screaming, mm. that there's smoke and there's fire mm. and, and the sirens and the lights and the, just the smell of smoke. My dad was a fireman. Okay. And it, it's always been, a, you know, it's always been like a little bit of a fear. Mm-hmm. What if he gets caught on a fire? What if you know, something happens? Mm. You know? What about the people that were in it? And, and I, here I was in, in my own little incident. Yeah. And yeah, I froze. That was a huge thing for me it, yeah. you know, it, it was a bit of post-traumatic stress I absolutely i mean that whole experience yeah. is hugely traumatic i was already i was already a mom so you could pick mm. and I, because the kids were screaming it was like oh my god what if mm. it was mine mm. so to get through that i actually went on a fire safety marshal course you okay. know because i thought if i know if i'm better prepared then i'll mm. know what to do but mm-hmm. the smell like I, like i'd be high alert for smells that smell like fire or smoke right. or whatever yeah and the cbt to train me out of that you know was was amazing okay. it was like I, I struggled to even sit in an auditorium and theater it was a big part of my life and, mm. and going to the theater and just being backstage and it was like getting back on the horse almost you know you just you just have to go and face it you just have to go and do it Mm. and and the first time I went to the theatre afterwards I went to London on a bus trip to see Phantom of the Opera amazing which isn't isn't the most like calming thing (laughs) in the world Um, it's quite intense but it's it's it it was one of my favorite musicals Mm -hmm. and the seats the coach ran bang in the middle under the, the chandelier and everything right okay so you're in the middle and and up until that point i'd wanted to sit on the end of everywhere in case there was an incident yeah so i could get get out quick yeah and i was sat in the middle and i, I can remember 
like just being sat with my hand on my heart or on my chest trying not to let my heart beat out of my chest oh, because wow. of the anxiety yeah, of like trying to get through this fear that I created in my head yeah, yeah. and I cried at like the oh. end of it I, I cried and it wasn't because how emotional well it, it was a little bit of mm. how emotional the musical is but just that I'd got through this thing yeah, yeah. and you yeah. know You'd faced your fear. Yeah, mm. and I could do it. And, you know, I wasn't just sat there thinking, how do I get out? What? Do, where's the doors? Where's the fire exit? How, you know, what happens if the bells go off? You were able to re-engage with what you yeah. loved. But then also having to face that anxiety and the sort of adrenaline and then coming down from that adrenaline like I feel like that's yeah. really really normal to get to have a really intense anxiety experience and then find yourself in floods of tears because it's like needing to release some of that pressure that has built up in your body you know and that adrenaline through facing your fears and I mean what what an experience because it sounds as though that you know that when you were doing the stage management volunteering experience it sounds so difficult and traumatic on on a number of different levels because you're a volunteer to begin with which always feels slightly different to when you're in a paid role and you know in terms of what you might support you might have or training and things like that but also your freeze response kicked in and we all have fight flight and freeze responses for different experiences and we have no control over our physiology in a panic situation but that doesn't mean we don't have really intense feelings about it when it happens like i'm my biggest reaction is a freeze and i i could never understand that i'd be in an unsafe situation and i couldn't move i couldn't physically couldn't move And and i really relate to that because afterwards you feel like why didn't why couldn't I do anything or why didn't I do something or why didn't I do it this way or you think back over the 150 different ways or different outcome scenarios that you could have done or whatever and that's really hard to manage all of that stuff and and like you say ultimately the fire brigade came and everyone was safe and and it was it was fine but it's a really really intense experience and then like you say I love what you said that you then decided to do some fire safety training because you then equipped yourself with the knowledge so that you knew exactly what to do. You know, you've been proactive about changing that really intense fear into something slightly more manageable and with edges, you know, rather than the great unknown, which is always worse. And then also, yeah, and then also you've gone on to have some cbt which has supported you and then be able to go back to the theater which was a really important thing for you which you loved and that's incredible so many people have really traumatic experiences like that and then are not able to return to whatever the activity was or experience was because i was a volunteer as well you know it was a huge part of my life you know i I went to the theater five days after having had a c-section wow wow Um, nina (laughs) uh, because it was panto time right and and i couldn't miss it you know so i only went for one night and i Mm -hmm. you know i behaved myself but it it was such a huge part and so lovely and i i was even there we got married like on the 20th of december and then panto street season hit which is a an incredible time working backstage but i was like we're not going on honeymoon (laughs) it's panto time so yeah i think it i had to get you know i had to get back on that horse i had to get back in that theater it was you know essential really yeah yeah Yeah. and for you and and you know being such a massive passion for you i think yeah it's it's also that balance isn't it between knowing the things that bring you real joy and real really light you up that if there's something happens to disconnect you from those things it's worth finding the connection again or or, yeah it's really it's worth pushing for it when you've lost something you know you love and I think that sometimes that naturally happens you know that we love something when we're younger and then we sort of lose touch with it but if there is a a big trigger or something that makes you know you lose your passion for something I I really do think it is worth fighting for it because we grow so much don't we we learn so much through going back and why it's so important why it's important to do the work to get back to that and and that's clearly something that's really important for you thank you it sounds like there's been you know a number of different 
sort of things that have really supported you and and it's it's so helpful to know because there are different times in our lives that need different support you know we don't always need the same thing and I found that at different times in my life I've needed different activities therapies whatever it was different things that that helped me with my sort of processes and understanding my mental health and I think it's just really lovely for people to hear your experience when you've tried these different things and you also sound like someone who's really proactive to try it and that again is is something so good for people to hear because there is no shame in trying things even if you do one session of something and you decide it's not for you there's no shame in that there's it's it's figuring out what you need isn't it I mean I was I was given art therapy as a child when my mum was taken into hospital and I I didn't it didn't click with me at all then. Right, that's so interesting. But I think I was in I was in a different headspace mm-hmm. and the connection with the therapist wasn't the greatest and, you know, uh, and I, I was a teenager, so... Right, yeah. it's I a different better, time. But... <laughs> yeah, of course, of so, course. So, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting going back into that and doing it as a family thing rather than this teenager that didn't really need or thought she didn't really need it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's also so interesting to me that you you still went for it, even though you had this previous experience yeah. where you're like, mm, it's not really a bit of me, I don't think. And that yeah. is also really okay. I think that's something I just want to highlight there. It's really okay if you try some therapy and you decide it's not for you. Lots of people sort of imagine you then stuck doing something that you really yeah. don't. And I always say that, like my my first sessions when people come and meet me, like this is for you to try me out just as much like it's for you to say you know is this for me it's really really important that you feel comfortable and that connection with the therapist that you're talking about is essential like if you don't click with someone it's not going to do what it could do if you've got a really good connection with someone but it's, it's interesting isn't it that different times that something works differently and what you might be open to you know being a teenager is actually a really vulnerable time and yes we might think all sorts of things and think we know better as many teenagers do but it's also just trying to come to terms with the kind of adult you're going to be and finding that strange in-between ground between being a child where all your decisions are made for you to being an adult where you make all your decisions yourself and then that middle ground where you can't really choose lots of things for yourself because you're not an adult but you've got lots of ideas about what you should be choosing it's very hard it's really hard that transition process one of the hardest I think so um, yeah really really interesting thank you and I mean what I'm also really keen to find out about and share with the listeners as well is where has this led you on to now Nina like how has this changed things for you as you've moved forward into what you're doing now um for a while, I, I struggled with what if something else happens and I can't deal with it. Yeah. So, like I say, the anxiety stayed with me for for ages. Mm. And that thing that you think, oh, what if something that happens, mm. happened. So I felt a little bit better. We decided, let's try for one more baby. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> if it happens, it happens. We're not mm. getting hung up on it. So if it doesn't happen, you know, we're not lost anything. And we're not getting any younger, so let's go for it. And around the Baileys on our wedding anniversary, and then we found out we were pregnant. Okay. I, was, I had morning sickness. I just felt pregnant. I just yeah. felt pregnant. So I yeah. took a test, pregnant. And I don't know, something inside me said, let's go get an early scan to okay. make sure that there's only one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I went to the sonographer and thing around your belly oh yeah and I looked at the screen glanced at the screen and swore at him I oh, swore no. at him and he's like what's the matter it's like two babies yes yes there's there's twins like oh, no wow. we've already got some oh wow um so I was mortified not mortified but I, I, I was petrified yeah you know? of course those things that I'd grieved before I was about to grieve again yeah I went through the pregnancy. I decided I'd create a birth plan this time because I didn't. Okay. I was mm. having that natural birth. Mm. And then they found out that I'd got placenta previa. So oh, there was gosh, na- okay. not a chance that I was having uh, a natural birth. It, okay. it had to be a C-section. So I decided I would plan my perfect C-section. Okay. <laughs> yes, let's do this. Okay. <laughs> Empowerment. Love that. Love that. And then 35 weeks came 
and uh, I was having some back niggles because if you've have having a C-section, especially with twins, they send you for um, a steroid injection to build the baby's lungs because okay. you you normally have a C-section earlier mm-hmm. than like the full term. Mm-hmm. And I was having these back niggles, and I told the midwife, and they took me in and and sent me for an MRI scan. I was like, a bit strange. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with something called placenta percreta, right. which is a life-threatening oh, but gosh. rare pregnancy com- complication. Okay. And I think because of the tools and things that I'd got in my head mm. and my proactive nature, mm-hmm. you know, I, I need to know what the next step is all of, of the course. time. Yeah. I got through it. But obviously, it wasn't. I panicked that that was going to be it. There was lots of complications that could happen, like Mm. loss of blood and and things like that. And I was going to have to be asleep. So all my C-section plans Mm. went out the window. Yeah. But I got through it and I got to the other side. I was really poorly at that time. I'm not dismissing how bad it was. It was Mm. bad. But I got through it and I've got through it. And now they're going to be four in September. Amazing. at, At the end of this month, sorry. And I feel loads better. I could have come out of that with Mm. post-traumatic shock again. Of course. A a traumatic pregnancy. I think my husband fared worse than I did because he witnessed me being ill. He had to overlook me being ill and I, you know, I was out of it. But I could could have come out of the other side and it could have been a completely different story. But I think because of the tools I'd built up previous, Mm. in the previous years. Yeah. And the fact that I've, I thought, I've got through this rare thing. And, yeah. And others have helped me through this rare thing. So now I want to help others. That's um, amazing. So I spent a couple, you know, a couple of years thinking, what could I do? And um, like I, I would do charity events for the, the hospital that saved my life. And blogged. I blogged about my condition and how I got through it. So right. that, you know, mum other mums because it because it's so rare there's no like support system in in place Mm. in the hospitals or anything you know the midwives can talk you through a hysterectomy they could talk you through a c-section and the healing of both but when they're combined it's such a huge thing to go through of course so yeah i wanted to be that support system to others because others had been that to me and now you know lockdown I spent a lot of time doing nothing. Right. Obviously, I've got two sets of twins now. So, <laughs> so you're never not doing nothing. anything. Yeah. <laughs> but exactly. I, I, I sort of stopped, you know. I was on a hamster wheel before of blogging and trying to build my social media following up and stuff like that and and, and trying to jump on, on things all of the time that I took a break during lockdown mm. and a chance to, you know, soak up podcasts like, like yours or... Dr. Rangan Chatterjee Mm. um, was a big help during that time, who my doctor put me on to. She was amazing, you know. And I think, yeah, I just spent that time, you know, just clearing my mind of of thinking, what do I want to do with my Mm. life? I'm Mm. I'm heading to 40, which I've now hit. And then all of a sudden, a friend that I used to know through blogging actually posted that she was doing a challenge for coaches. Okay. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to go on it. You know, just a whim. Yeah. <laughs> um, that intuition. And I did nudge. it. Yes. Yeah. I was going to do some social media work for, well, I'm doing some social media work for an, a local company. And I thought, yeah, I could coach other businesses, local small businesses, to do their own social media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I went, I went on this coaching challenge on Facebook yeah. and I came out of it with something completely different. <laughs> Okay, um, okay. Because I'd always wanted to help others that, that were in my situation, I came out with this passion for helping other mums that were right. feeling overwhelmed with life. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, because I'd been there, I'd been overwhelmed, and you know, I'm I'm pushing through that, and I feel loads better. I'm in a much better space now. So that is where I'm at right now. I'm building a community of mums. Um, I call it Mums in the Groove on Facebook because often as as mums, as parents, as carers, mm-hmm. we get ground down by life. 
by the daily chores, uh, you know, that mum load that everybody talks about where you are the CEO of yeah. your family, yes. your home. Yeah. You know, you, you, birthdays, parties to like organise and, and Christmas presents to sort out and laundry and this and that. And, yeah, so I'm, I'm now running the Mums in the Groove community to get mums feeling empowered about their life and to find more passion in life for the things that matter. That's incredible. Oh, I love that, Nina. It's given me goosebumps. I think it's just so lovely to see that transformation right from the beginning to the end because you have so much lived experience and so much resilience that you've earned, you know, resilience that you have earned through your experiences. And then to be able to share that with other mums who might be feeling some of the feelings you were feeling in the past, it's just so valuable I'm so glad you chose that, you know, you went for that. And, and I mean, yeah. I'm sure you'd be brilliant at the social media stuff too, but I feel like there's always a need for more real conversations about the things that are yeah. really going on, you know, the stuff that's really, really important. And and I think the message that you're sharing there is just incredible. And also I'm blown away by, you know, your experience, your you know, your second birthing experience being what it was because like you say you'd obviously built up so many sort of strategies skills resilience that it just supported you through that you know when you think about what you know before you've not had any children and then what you know once you've had one birth and then you know to go into that second birthing experience and it be that challenging and then and then also to be at the point where you are risking it is a risk that you may lose everything for you and to to have to face that that's the the ultimate fear isn't it that's facing the ultimate fear right in the face and saying actually I can see this and I'm going to do this and this is what I want and that is taking your power back like wow like that's what gives me goosebumps (laughs) is you saying no this is what I'm going to do and I and I'm I'm going to just go with this and then yeah and it's not to say the recovery experience doesn't go in waves as well I think it does you know but it's so so lovely to hear that you're in such a positive space after that experience you know there's still dips there's still dips now and again you know winters are a really tough time for me Mm -hmm. I suffer terribly with the the weather right but now I can recognize those dips yes and rather than being fearful of them and on panic mode Mm. when they happen Mm. for months Mm. which is where i was in like the beginning right now i can have those dips i can have a panic attack even out of the blue and i can get through it and the next day yes i'm i I need to build myself back up yeah because it takes a lot out of you does it does you need you need your rest afterwards for sure i now know what i need to do and i know Mm. the tools that i need to feel better and or take the time you know to just breathe yeah. or even realize that hang on a minute i had that because i dropped this or yes like you know if you don't drink enough water yeah and i'm drinking coffee all day i'm yeah. gonna have a panic attack yes yes it, yes it's just, yeah it's so true it's just how it is the adrenaline pumps through you mm-hmm. and and you go oh hang on i didn't have enough water yesterday and all I drank was coffee so remember next time (laughs) it's true but you only learn these things by getting it wrong though right you only learn I only have learned all the things I've learned about my body and what it will and will not will not put up with (laughs) and you know and my mental health as well through getting it wrong like it's those moments that are your learning points where you either choose to listen and you know whatever the the particular Exactly. issue might be that you you then take that on board and know that you're valuable enough to be taken care of and you're valuable enough to take care of yourself you know that you yeah. are as important as as the people that you are looking after because if you don't look after yourself you can't look after them but also just because you deserve to be looked after you know we deserve to nurture and love ourselves yeah. and that's a hard learning curve you know it feels like a hard thing to learn and it's not always second nature to everyone but it's so important because you know we really do deserve to have the time to sit back and think well why did I have that panic attack or whatever it might be you know what is my body trying to tell me and I need to listen because there's obviously something important I need to change 
and just taking that time as well I think is so so valuable so I, I love what you said there so thank you. I feel like there's been an absolute, you know, plethora of things. So many things in there. <laughs> Bit of a been... whirlwind. No, I loved it. I really, that's my favourite kind of story, I think, is when you get that sort of real idea of the progression from start to finish. Yeah. And it's been a lot. So really, really amazing. Thank you. What is the best way for anyone to get in touch with you if they think this has really resonated with them? Yeah, I'm Nina A. Spencer, because Nina Spencer was already taken on okay. uh, Instagram. <laughs> okay. You can find me at Mums in the Groove if you just like go on Facebook and type in Mums in the Groove. Perfect. Um, I'm there as well. And I am doing a once a week Facebook live show, which okay. is Brew at Two. Love it. On a Friday afternoon. But I'm hoping to build that up when the kids all start school in September. Okay. Um, and I'm having guests on and talk, just talking about motherhood and parenthood and life in general, really. Um, Amazing. So, yeah. so a lovely supportive at. space. Yeah, thank you. I'm also speaking at the Be Inspired uh, event Are you? with Amazing. Danny Wallace. I'm the Queen Bee in September okay oh amazing so that's a big speaking event good yeah Yeah, Yeah. really really good awesome and so i'll also share all of that in the show notes as well so the listeners can kind of click through to that easily to to find you and i wonder is there is there any sort of last thoughts or anything you'd like to leave us with and it's absolutely fine if there isn't i just like to have a bit of space at the end in case this morning i put in the group a question about how you're feeling just check in and somebody said they were having a bit of a moment and Mm. I said remember the four B's which was grab a brew grab some breaths so go outside Mm. and grab a breath or two do a brain dump Mm -hmm. because that's a great tool to to get that stuff out of your head and then go and boss it oh that's so lovely i love that and i was like oh yeah i'm gonna keep that i'm gonna yeah that. I'm gonna keep yes. it forever. <laughs> that's so good it's really nice when you come up with those little things and also for yourself because i don't know if you're yeah. anything like me but in the moment i forget my own advice that i would give to someone else you <laughs> yeah. know so sometimes it's good to have those little post-its or whatever they are yeah. around to yeah. just remind you well thank you so much nina it's been an absolute pleasure i've really enjoyed having you on Thanks for having me. It's been great. Thank you. You are welcome. What an amazing episode. I'm so grateful to Nina for everything she had to share with us today and also for taking us on that whole journey because it really was such a transformational one for her. Remember, if you want to get in touch with Nina, you can click through to the show notes just by following the link which goes along with this podcast episode. And if you've loved what you're listening to here, you are so welcome to leave us a review and let us know what you think. And you can also click through to the website and donate if you'd like to support us as we continue to create more episodes. Otherwise, take really good care and you'll hear from me soon.